Today's daf is Samach Zayin. We're going to start at the fifth line, Zehaklav. Um, we're going to get into all sorts of interesting basic kashrut issues today. Um, okay, Zehaklav, Kol Shabahana Ato Benotein Tan. That's what we saw, that it depends whether it gives flavor or not. Um, that was the Mishnah, it said, Kol Shabahana Ato Benotein Tan Asur, Kol Shabahana Ato Benotein Tan Mutar Kigon this is what we call if something gives bad flavor then the item is fine right so if isor falls into heter and as a result the flavor tastes bad we're going to say that's okay it's good before Pesach all these kosher issues right about if you put uh, cleaning stuff in your oven when you turn on to kosher right and the smell of the the taste of the cleaning stuff, it turns it into bad. It's all sorts of issues about no taint talent with gum. I mean, the basic is, which we're going to get to today, about a clea that's not ben yomo, right? A clea that hasn't been used. Now, we'll learn today that there's two different definitions of ben yomo. We paskin by the definition of 24 hours, but we'll see that Rashi actually says it's overnight, okay? That once it's left overnight, any flavor that's in the pot is already bad flavor. So if you cook something in that pot the next morning, or according to halacha, 24 hours later, the flavor in the pot already gives bad taste to the item, and therefore um, whatever was cooked in there is mutar. And that's why when we kosher things, we wait 24 hours before koshering them so that any flavor that's in there is now going to be bad. Um, okay, so Amar of Yehud, Amar Shmuel, Hachi This is the halacha that no tam lifgam is mutar. Va Amar of Yehud, Amar Shmuel, lo shanu ela shenafal etoch grisim rotchin. Okay, remember they gave that example that if um, chometz falls into grisim, right? Chometz shenafal gabe grisim, vinegar falls onto um, uh, barley, or right? So ra is barley. What they say. Split beans. Split beans. Oh, interesting. Split beans. Okay. I assume greasing were, uh, like we use greasing nowadays, but okay. Let's assume their definition is right. Um, in any case, if the vinegar falls into them, okay, they're going to be, it's going to give bad flavor. Aval nafal letoch greasing soninim. So now he says it's only if it falls into hot, this hot greasing. But if it goes into the grisim tsoninim, if you pour the vinegar on the grisim when they're still cold, vihir ticham, and then you boil them up, well then, it's naaseh kemishi hishpiach ulevasof pagam ve'asur. Okay, now we have this new term, which is, what if it makes it good initially, but then, when you do some other process to it, it turns it bad. So if it falls on them while they're boiling, so then it's going to ruin them. But if it falls on them while they're cold, and then you boil them up, First, the reaction is it's a positive reaction. Then it becomes a bad reaction. So again, we're talking about chometz of isur. Remember, we're all talking about combinations of isur beheter. So we're talking about chometz that was, let's say, yenesech originally, where it was chometz that was owned by a non-Jew. It falls into your grisim. So if it falls onto them first when they're cold and then you boil them up, that's shishpiach ulevasef pagam, and it's going to be asur. Because a, the first reaction, it was mashpiach. You mean so, you take the, the chomets off and you wash them off? From the no, no, no. You're boiling, the, the you're boiling them in the chomets. Okay. So then, in other words, or whatever, whatever chomets got absorbed into it, we're assuming the chomets got absorbed into the grisim. So when it, fir- right, when it first gets into the cold ones, the initial reaction is a positive one. It doesn't ruin it, let's say. Yeah. Once you start boiling them up, it ruins them. 
Okay, so then the vinegar in the greasing will they're now okay, ruin it. Again, following beauty soap, they're okay to the extent that you can wash them, you can start over, rinse off all the... Well, it depends. I guess if it got absorbed, then you can't. It's only a, so only not, in a case really where you can... hot or cold. It's, did it absorb or didn't it? No, but if... The point is, even if it absorbed and it turned it bad, it would be okay. The point is that here, when it gets absorbed, initially it's good, but once you boil them, it becomes bad. The vinegar turns it bad. So therefore, you might have said, no, tain tam lifgam. But no, because since it initially initially caused it to be good, and only after you boiled, you know, while you boiled it, it became bad. We don't call that no tam with gum, even though right it's here the end result isn't important; it's the initial result that's important. So and not only did Rabbi Yehuda say this in the name of Shmuel, so let's just structure today. We started with this issue of no tam with gum is is mutar. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, we pass in this way. However, he added that that's only if it's no tam with gum from the first moment. But if it initially makes it good and then it turns bad, then that's going to be asur. And the same thing was said not only by Rabbi Yehud in the name of Shmuel in Bavel, but also Rabbi Barchan in the name of Rabbi Yochanan in Eretz Yisrael said, right, because it's bringing the Torah from Eretz Yisrael, he said, Lo shanu right, When the Mishnah said, you have to remember, the Mishnah just said very simply, Ki grisim. But the question is, were the grisim or were the grisim tzoninim? So he says, Okay, same exact thing. And now Rav Dimi explains the reality of the situation. In Erev Shabbat and Sipori, what would they do? They would put vinegar on cold grisim, and they would prepare that. They would call that shachalayim. And that's what people would eat. And there you see that vinegar on cold grisim is a positive thing. And that goes to show that when the Mishnah said, grisim al-gabay um, al-gabay was only talking about hot grisim. Okay, when they were cooked up. But if, but, but um, when you pour them on cold, it's actually a good thing. So he's just proving the reality of the fact that that are cold actually is mashbiach. And then that led us to, and if it's mashbiach, and then you boil them up and it, the vinegar turns it sour, well, that's not, or turns it bad, that's not going to be a uh, mutah. Amarish Lakish. Notein tam lifgam shamru. This halacha of notein tam lifgam that they said, okay, keep in mind, remember, we're going to go back to this, okay? Rish Lakish says, this notain tam with gum, she'amru, that they talked about. Okay, later we'll talk about it. It's a weird nisuach. Lo she'amru, k'teira zo chasera melach. Yitera melach. Chasera tavlin. Yitera tavlin. It's not that, um, you can't, it's not a case where it happens to be a really bad tavshil because you didn't put enough salt or you put too much salt or you didn't put enough spices or you put too much spices. And then when you add this, let's say it's vinegar, it's going to continue to be bad because it was already bad to begin with. If it's bad already to begin with, and, and even if you add a bad flavor, right, that's not no tam lifgam because it was already pagum, okay? Aval kol she'ena chasera klum ve'ena nechelet mipneze. It has to be, according to, we're going to see two readings of Rish According to the first reading, he's saying it has to be something she'ena chasera klum. It has to be, 
the vinegar, let's say, falls into a mixture of grisim that are hot and boiling, where it would be called notein tam liftam, but the grisim would have to have been perfectly good without the chomets falling in. It's only that the chomets itself ruins it. But if it was already bad to begin with, because it didn't have any flavor, where you put too much salt in and no one could eat it, then that's not called notein tam liftam. Why? Because the note, it has the the gum has to come from the forbidden item in order to say this whole thing is now mutar. Um, so, okay, that this has to be with no tentam lifgam. The ika da amri, but some people say that Amarish Lakish, that what Rish Lakish said was not that, it was sort of the opposite, right? Here he's going lahachmir, that it's only going to be mutar if the item was perfectly good, right? Now he's going to say, it doesn't matter if it's chasera melech or yetera melech or anything like that. In any case, it's bad now because the vinegar is there. Whether it was bad anyway, it doesn't matter. If the vinegar also messes it up, then it's going to be mutar. Okay, so one reading of Rish Lakish is he's more machmir about it. One reading about Rish Lakish is that he's dafka more mekel about it. Um, and he includes, even if the tavshil was bad to begin with, doesn't matter as long as this also adds bad flavor. And it's like bad on top of bad. Okay, that's still called no tam lifka. Okay, we're going to come back to Rish Lakish later. That's why I said don't I forget the way he said it. I yeah. know I'm thinking of like conventional logic, but if it's bad... You wouldn't want to use it anyhow, and that's the only time when it's mutar. So that you're going to take something bad no matter what and try to fix it so that you can... Uh, right. The question is, what are you exactly going to do with eating this? It's a good question, because if it doesn't taste good, then so then what are you doing with it, it anyway? And it's not pagum anymore, and you're in a vicious circle that... No, no because if, if, so if it already ruined it, then it's okay. That's the point. Ah, so then I can fix it if it's ruined. Right. Right. You can fix it up. Okay. Okay, here come, we're coming to a very, very, very basic kashrus halacha. Okay, if the ta'amo umamasho is asur, then you get malkot. Okay, we're bringing this really not for this halacha, but for another halacha he's going to say in a minute. But, or I shouldn't say a minute because we have a lot to go in depth here before we get to it. So just remember that we were up to this, we were at the statement of Rish Lakish. We had two readings of Rish Lakish. Eventually, we're going to basically use the statement of Rabbi Yochanan to prove that the second reading of Rish Lakish is correct. Okay? And not the first one, that he's Yafka more makeup. But at this point, we're not there at all. At this point, what are we talking about? If you have Ta'am Umamash, if you have Ta'amo Umamasho, okay, something falls in. And it's got flavor. It added flavor to something. And it had mamash in it. Now, we're going to talk in a minute. What does it mean it has mamash? Okay, but let's hold off for one minute. If you have tamov and mamasho, you get mal... It's a surmina Torah. You get malkot. Okay? And this is kezayat bechdeachila pras. Okay, a few different ways of understanding it. But rashi... Okay, let's talk about what is kezayachila pras. Pras is a half of a loaf. Generally, their loaves were loaves that would serve for two seudot. A pras is half. Okay, we've seen like a prusa is a slice. Okay, pras in Aramaic is, a, is considered half. So 
a half a loaf is basically one meal's worth. So if you have a kazayat of this isur within um, a half a loaf, which is one meal's worth, and you eat it, okay, usually we say kedechi lapras is also a measurement of time. You have to eat it within the amount of time. Okay, this is a classic in shirim of eating. Okay, this is, this is good for Pesach. Okay, I'll get to it in a minute. But you have a certain amount of time to eat something. I'll give you an example. Some people paskin that, um, many people paskin, that if you're drinking tea, okay, or coffee, you drink it slowly. And you don't actually finish a shi'or's worth within the time of Kedechi Lapras, the time it would take you to eat half a loaf. And therefore, you don't make a bracha achrona, because in order to make a bracha achrona, you have to eat something within a certain time period. Same thing if you start eating bread, and you eat a little bite, and then a few minutes later, you eat another bite, and then another bite, and you don't have... Now, what's the general time? But generally, we pass in nine minutes. So you'd have to eat a shi'or within nine minutes in order to be chayv a bracha achrona, for example. Okay? That's a, that's a halacha of kezayat b'chdeachi pras. What they're saying here is, if there's a kezayat of the isur within the measurement of, like, a half a loaf, and then you eat that within the shi'or that it takes to eat a half a loaf, and you eat that shi'or... That's what that's what's going to be forbidden. In other words, it needs that kind of measurement to be considered significant that you actually ate the whole shiur. And as in order to get malkot, you have to have eaten the shiur kezayit within, either within a food that's that amount or maybe within a time frame of that amount in order to get the malkot. Okay. Anyway, we're going to come back in one minute to what is ta'amovah mamashah. But ta'amovah lo mamashah, okay, if you have flavor, but without the mamash... Okay, without the, the physical item itself, we'll talk about what this means in a minute. Asur, it is also asur. Ve'ein lokinala, but you don't get malkot for it. Okay, what is ta'amov v'lomamashow? Okay, so Rashi gives two examples. Because then you'll know what ta'amov v'lomamashow is. Rashi says, kigon chalav shenafal l'kdera. If milk falls into a pot of meat, like a meat stew, so even though you might have the flavor of the meat, it's not, you don't have a mamash of the, of, I'm sorry, of the milk. You don't have a mamash of it because it gets hidden within the meat, as opposed to, let's say, a piece of non-kosher meat that goes into a stew of, of meat, right, a meat stew. So there, the actual piece is there, as opposed to, it's sort of just getting absorbed inside, right, and you don't see it and you don't sense it. You might taste it, depending on how much there is. But, um, or he gives an example, ochalav shenafal. Nimoch, okay, or chalav that falls into something and it and it um, it no, no it, it melts into it, it melts inside, okay, oh. where you don't see it anymore. What exactly the difference, nafalik dera or nafal nimoch, bit of a debate. Anyway, what Tosfot says, okay, that this, how could you possibly, so according to this now, okay, let's let's go back to the first Rashi, okay, so now. Rashi basically says from here that we can learn from here. Okay, we won't read this inside, but Rashi says that from here you learn the tam ki'ikar is is not to oraita. This is like a basic, basic topic called tam ki'ikar. Okay, we'll get to this more in Hulan also. Tam ki'ikar means the flavor is as if it's actually there. Now, according to this, what did we say? Only if it's actually there is it asur and lokin. According to the second one, it's asur ve'en lokin. Now, the question is, what does Rashi understand? Asur ve'en lokin. It's asur 
only me do Rabbanan, and that's why you don't get Malkot on it. So if you have Ta'am, okay, I'll give you the classic example, even, right? More Rachuk. Non, a non-kosher pot, or a dairy pot that you cook meat in, okay? So there, let's say it's Ben Yomo, it's from that day, so it's going to give Ta'am Lishvach, okay? We don't eat that, right? So according to this, that's Ta'am Ki'ikar, but it's not Doraita, because there, there's no mamash of Isur, it's just the flavor. So if the flavor gets into it, right, then we're going to say, right, you have to calculate how you get Shishim and all that, whether there is Shishim, there isn't, but assuming there's Shishim. So basically we're going to say that's only Asur Midarabanan, according to Rashi. Tosfot says, no way. He says, it's Tam Kikar is Asur Midaraita. Okay. Um, and he says, and he also disagrees with Rashi's interpretations. He says here that how can you say chalav nafal chalav shanafal nimoach, assuming we're talking chalav and basar, because he says basar b'chalav is clearly asr midoraita, even you know once you have ta'am, and he says you can't possibly say, okay, that that it's talking about basar and chalav. And therefore, some people suggest, based on Tosfot's suggestion, that what we're talking about is chalav of me'ah falling into a kdera of heter. And it's not, and not um, a kdera of meat. It's not milk and meat, because milk and meat for sure is, because Torah forbids lo tevashel di b'chalavimo. And basically, that would, count, that would include this case. So there's a whole debate about how to understand this. Um, Nimoch, they explain, is that it wasn't in the tafshil from the beginning. If you cook the milk with whatever was forbidden, whether, you know, if you cooked it from the beginning, that's different than you put it in and it gets absorbed into what's already cooking. Okay, that maybe that's what Rashi means by nimach. Um, and there's actually a debate, lahalacha, do we pass in the tanki kars do writer or not? Okay, and there's a very big critical debate. Rashi says, it's clear from Rabbi Yochanan, the Tam Kikar is de Rabbanan, and therefore we paskin de Rabbanan. But Tosfot says, no, you misunderstood Rabbi Yochanan. And when Rabbi Yochanan says, asur asur means asur midoraita. You just don't get Malkot, but it is asur midoraita. And he therefore paskins the Tam Kikar is doraita. And How does he explain you don't get Malkot? Right, so it's a good question. I don't remember. I, I don't. I didn't see how he explains uh, that you don't get malkot. He bases it. His main thing is he bases it on sugyot and chulin, which seems to imply that tam is asur. And the fact that we have you have to kosher, which we're going to talk about in a minute, the kosher utensils and all that. And he basically says it's got to be midoraita. Okay, um, and then he has to come up with different ways of how you can explain Rabbi Yochanan and why he says ain lokin alav. Um, Okay, so this is a, a basic sugya. Like I said, this isn't really our issue because now we really brought Rabbi Yochanan, if you remember, to try to figure out which Rish Lakish reading was right. Is Rish Lakish when he says, Noten Tam Lifgam is, right, is it with this Melach, and if the Tavshil was messed up to begin with, right, then we're not going to say it matters it, or are we going to say, does it matter if it was messed up to begin with? If this also gives bad flavor, it's going to be a sore. So the next thing Rabbi Yochanan said was, V'im riba ta'am lifgam mutar. And if you added ta'am to make it worse, then it's mutar. So then they say, if it was like the first reading of Rish Lakish, what should it say? V'lema im natan ta'am lifgam mutar. Just like we've been saying all along. Why does it say riba? What does riba mean? Additionally. So what does it sound like? 
הקמש ולן דאף אגב דאי קמילי אחרינייתא דפגמא בהדה, even if there's other bad stuff that already made it bad, right? It's still נותן טעם לפגם ונץ מותר. So ריבה means if you added to it something that was already bad, it's still מותר. So therefore they say, הלכתא קלישנא בתרא דריש לקיש. And therefore we pass on like the second lashon, where he's actually more make up. אמר רב כהנא, מדברי כולם נלמד נותן טעם לפגם מותר. Very strange statement. He says, from what everybody says, now whenever you say, Everybody, right? Clearly, not everybody. You already know this, right? So, midivrei kulam, we can infer that what? And he means all the Amoraim. We can infer that notay tam lefgam is mutar. So, amar le'abaye, bishlama mikulu l'chaye. I get it. You're saying from what all the, right? We did see a bunch of people that said notay tam lefgam is going to be mutar. I understand. Ela derish lakish, amaroka amar v'leilo sfirale. So he says, what did Rish Lakish say? He said, this no tam lifgam that they say is mutar is either only in this case or even in this case, right? But notice his wording, says uh, Abaye. He says, when Rish Lakish says this, what he meant to say was, well, the, when they say, right, sha'amru, but meaning I don't agree. So he thinks that Rish Lakish didn't really hold that way. He was saying, when you say no tam lifgam, it's going to only apply in this case, or it's going to even apply in this case, right? But I don't hold that way. I don't think that no tentam lifgam is mutar. And from here, the fact that he had to paskin, we can assume that what? Michlal, di'i kalamanda amar no tentam lifgam asur. Are you trying to infer that somebody, right? The fact that he says, everybody says this, and, and the fact that he says we paskin this way, must mean that what? Somebody must say otherwise. Otherwise, he wouldn't need to say that this is the case. So, do, and, and he's saying, is there really anyone who says, no tentam lifgam is a sur? So, the Gemara says, in fact, in, yes, it's true. And not only does someone say it, but it's a machloka tanaim. Vaha tanya, echad no tentam lifgam, vechad no tentam lishvach, a sur, divrei Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir holds, no tentam lifgam is a sur, just like no tentam lishvach. If something gives tam, we don't care if it's good flavor, bad flavor, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a sur. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Lishvach Asur, Lifgam Mutar. Rabbi Shimon says, only if it's Tan Lishvach, but Lifgam is Mutar, and obviously, the Paskin like Rabbi Shimon. There's going to be a big debate now about which case do they actually disagree about. Okay, right now we're assuming they disagree about a classic case, Noten Tan Lifgam. So before we get to that, we're going to see... Oh, this is also Isurim Bahana'ah, or just Isur Achiram? Um, I guess it would depend what it is. Which mixture it is. Now, certain things are asur bahana'a and certain things are asur only by achila. Like if it's yein nesech, so it's asur bahana'a also. Right? In other words, we ah, take on whatever components whatever of whatever isur material is. Basur bachalav is asur Um Right? Kilaim is asur bahana'a. I'm trying to think of things that Basur aren't asur bahana'a, but they would have. Because it's still right or because. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we feed it to a dog? No, because lo, lola bishul, lola. Right? There's three things. Right. But sorry, you can't feed to a dog, but you can feed horse meat or something like that to the dog. What? You can feed. You can feed. That's a You can. People can eat it. What do you mean? No. No. Sorry, you can't send it to your dog. Oh, right. Right. Like a novella would be by mutar bahana'a. Okay. So. So that would count mutar bahana. Okay. Um, so now they say, 
okay, my time is Rabbi Meir. Where does Rabbi Meir learn this from? That Noten Tam Lifgam is Asur. So, going back to what we said about Kalim, right? Kalim are a classic case of Noten Tam Lifgam because, right, once they are not used that day, they're already going to be Noten Tam Lifgam. And what does he say? Gamar Migu Leov De Kochavim. The fact that when we went to battle, right, and then we got the Kalim from the Midianim, and then what did we have to do? We had to kosher them. So, right, what does he assume? He assumes what we would all assume, right? If it was, if you could have just waited overnight, according to Rashi, or 24 hours, according to others, if you could have just waited, you didn't have to kosher them, you could have just waited, or the assumption is they probably didn't even use them the last 24 hours or the last day. So basically, from the fact that we have to kosher them proves that no tam lifgam is a sur. Okay, right? Seems pretty basic. So what are the answer? The idach, the other side, Rabbi Shimon would say, he, he says, I'm going to answer, right, and as he's not here anymore, but the Gemara is going to say, he would explain like Rav Huna Bered Rav Chia, to Am Rav Huna Bered Rav Chia, Lo asra Torah elak dera bat yoma, de lo lifkamhu. It says the Torah, when it forbade the kalim of the Midianim, it was only the kalim that they'd used that day. Okay? And that if it was already ben yomo, okay, which means, again, it had been left overnight or 24 hours later, they would have been able to use it, okay? And it was only kaling that hadn't been, that uh, were used that day. Delo um, lifgam, right? But if it was lifgam, if it was the next day, already it would be bad. Ve'idach, and what would the other side say? yoma nami i afshar delo pigma porta. He says, even if you explain Rabbi Meir, according to Rafuna Bredu Rabbi Yoshua, that it was a Gedera bat yoma, you could say even in a Kedera Bat Yoma, there's going to be, once something gets absorbed into a Kli, and it comes out from the Kli, we're assuming there must be a little bit of bad in there. There's no way there isn't a little bit of bad taste in there. And then it becomes an issue of quantity. How much bad do you need, right? So, or a lot of bad or just a little bad, is it enough? You have to point out, by the way, that according to Rabbi Meir, you'd have to say the Tam Ki'ikar is clearly Doraita. Because it's only Ta'am, it's not Mamash, and here it's Asr Minat Torah, you have to do the Hagala, and he would have to say the Ta'am Ki Ikar is Doraita. Okay? Um, it's Rabbi Shimon, my Taima. So what would Rabbi Shimon say? Detanya. So what's his reason for saying Note Ta'am Lifgam is Mutar? Detanya. First, we just brought the proof of Rabbi Meir. He said we learned it from Giulei of Dokochavim. The fact they have to kosher their Kalim proves it. Rabbi Shimon had his own interpretation there, right? That all the Kalim there were Ben Yomo. Um, Rabbi Shimon, my time. So, what's his reason why Noten Tam Lifgam is going to be Mutar? Ditanya, it says in a, actually, I think it's a Mishnah, right? Oh, no, it is a Brita. Ditanya, I was just looking at what the Dalib was, but no, it's just the source in Bacharot. It says in Lotochlu Kol Nevela. All right, it says here, it should say Dichtiv. In Bacharot, it says Dichtiv. It says in the Pasuk, it's not necessarily a Brita. Lotochlu Kol Nevela. Lager asher bisharecha, right? You can't eat nevela. What can you do? You can give it to the ger in your sharim. What does he learn from this? Kol haruya lager kriya nevela. He uses nevela as a catchphrase for anything non-permissible, and he says the only <coughs> he says anything you can give to a ger is what we are forbidden to eat. But if you can't give it again, remember ger toshav. If you can't give it to the ger toshav because it's not edible, 
then it's not forbidden to you to eat. That's what he says from here. So if it's not, right, it's like you said, not, not fit for a dog, you know, we have like issues, you know, criteria like that. So, right, so it's saying here, if it's already, this isn't even not fit for a dog, this is just, it tastes bad, it's got some bad flavor to it, then it's not called a nevela, and therefore it's going to be mutar for eating. Rabbi Meir, what does Rabbi Meir do with this pasuk? A nevela is something that was no good to begin with. It's not something that was okay, and then you added some bad flavor to it and ruined it. Okay, when we're talking about Nevele here, we're talking about something that was bad to be eaten from the beginning. Okay, and therefore it has nothing to do with Noten Tam Lifkam. Rabbi Shimon, where does he learn Srucha Meikara? Oh, he says very simply, Srucha Meikara lo Tzricha Meuta. You don't even need a special limud to teach that something that was inedible from the beginning is going to be permitted to eat, because that's Afar Ba'ama, that's like dust too, right? It's nothing, and of course it's not going to be Asur. Um, that doesn't even warrant a Pasur. Amar Ula. So now, like I said from the beginning, we're, so each one brought their proof text, but we're basically left with this machloket. Okay? Is no tam lifgam. No tam lifgam. Is it mutar, according to uh, Rabbi Shema? And Rabbi Meir is going to say it's asur. Okay. So now we're going to have a debate about which case the machloket is about. Amar Ula, machloket shehishbiach. Their machloket is only when it first gives good flavor and then down the road it tastes bad like we started with today. But if from the beginning it gave bad flavor, everyone will agree that it's mutar. Okay, so now he's very much so narrowing the scope of the machloket. Regular classic case of Note Tam Lifgam, even Rabbi Meir will agree it's, it's uh, mutar. It's only if it first was mashbiach and then was pogam. So, etive Rav Chaga Ula. Rav Chaga questions Ula and says like this, because this is what Ula said, right? This He, he said that this issue. So, Rav, Rav Chaga says to him, wait, but I have a source that contradicts what you said. Yayin shenafal letoch hadashim, vechomet shenafal letoch grisim. This is the continuation of the brighter we saw before, um, with Rav Meir Rav Shimon. If wine falls into Adashim, again, Yain Nesech, and Chomet Nesech, Shenafal Etoch Grisim, Asur, Rabbi Shimon Matir, and Vahahacha de Pagam Ikarahu, Upligi. Right? Isn't this a case of Pagam, right? As soon as Yain falls into Adashim, and Chomet falls into Grisim, it's going to ruin it. So isn't that Pagam Ikarahu? And what do you see here? They're Machloket. So what do you see? No Tam Lefgam is going to be Mutar. I'm sorry, it's going to be a machloka between them, even in a classic case of don't take with gum. So obviously, what's Ula going to say? Amar Ula, Chaga, Lomeda Yadai Maika Amre. Maika Amre Rabbanan. Chaga, you don't have any idea what the rabbis say. To you, Tekamotiv, you're asking me a question based on this source. Hacha B'mayas Kinan, don't you know that that case, we already talked about this, Chomet Shanafal what did we say? What did the rabbis explain? That that case is, Shanafal Etokrisim Tzoninim Biherticham. Pagam Vasur. Right? So what did he say? That case doesn't prove anything because that's a case where it's not just Nafalatokrisim Ragil. It was, it was Nafal or Nafalatokrisim Rotchim, which would have been Noten Tam Lifgam. It's Nafalatokrisim Tsoninim, where it first made it a good thing, right? That was that Shachalayim mixture that they, they would make on our Vesh Shabbatot. And then he boiled it up and then the vinegar gave it bad flavor. Okay? And therefore, he's saying the rabbis already explained that case that it's a 
first it was good, then it was bad, and that goes and perfectly proves my point, because his whole point was, the machloket is dafka about a case where hishbiach ulevasov pagam, and it doesn't disprove what I'm trying to say. Okay, so again, you could debate what that case is. Is it a case nafalatokrisim soninim, or is it nafalatokrisim rotchim? So one will explain it one way, and one will explain it the other way. So that's Ula. Ula says, he's narrowing the machloket, it's not classic case of no tantalim lefgam that they're actually arguing about. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, their machloket is dafka about no tam lefgam classic case. Okay. Now they're going to ask a question. We've had this kind of argue, ar- line of arguing before. Rabbi Yochanan says the machloket is about no tam lefgam classic case. But he doesn't say, would they also argue in the case of Hishbiach Ulevasov Pagam, like Ula says. The question is, does he entirely disagree with Ula and think that in a case of Hishbiach Ulevasov Pagam, everybody would say it's Asur, because Hishbiach from the beginning, and even Rabbi Shimon would Oser? Or does he mean that the Machlok is across the board? Classic case of Nautei Tam Lefgam, and also Hishbiach Ulevasov Pagam, there's still a Machlok about it. So the Gemara answers Tehu. They don't actually know what Rabbi Yochanan intended here. Amrav Amram, Efshar Italahad Rabbi Yochanan. Now here's a great question. If according to Rabbi Yochanan, the classic case of Notein Tam Lefgam is a Machloket Now what would you think? That's pretty basic, right? That's pr- really, really basic. If it's so basic, the Gemara asks, and you wonder this often, and why they don't ask this question more often, could it possibly be that there's really a machloket tanaim about this and it's so basic and the Mishnah doesn't mention it at all? Right? It's interesting because they're questioning Rabbi Yehuda Nasi when he put together the Mishnah, right? There's an assumption that he put in when there was a basic, basic machloket. He would put that in. So if Rabbi Meir really held this way, how could he possibly not pass this way? So what do they answer? So what do they say? So um, Rav Amram can't imagine that Rabbi Yochanan would actually believe this, and it wouldn't be the case that, according to Rabbi Yochanan's reading, the Mishnah wouldn't have mentioned this case. So what does it say? Nafak dak be'eshkach. So Rav Amram went out on a hunt, and he said, ah, he went out and he found it. Okay, he was midayek, meaning right, he learned his stuff, and he found a Mishnah, in fact, that talks about this. Okay, Ditnan. Okay, it's a Mishnah in Orla. It says in Orla, Soor Shachulin Shanafala Tochaisa, the Yeshbo Kedela Hachmitz, Bichmitza, the Harkach Nafal Soor Shaltruma, O Soor Shalkalea Karen, the Yeshbo Kedela Hachmitz, Asur, Rabbi Shimon Matir. Okay, let's explain the case and then we'll go back, then we'll go forward. A Soor, a leavening agent of Hulin that falls into a, a dough and it can actually leaven the bread, you know, the dough. And it, in fact, leavened. Okay, so, so far, it's all heter. And then what happens? A soor of truma falls into this, or a kilea kerem, okay, something that's forbidden. And it can also leaven the the dough, but it's already been leavened. So once you add this in, it's actually going to over-leaven the bread, and it's going to, the dough, and it's going to ruin the dough. So when the iser falls in, it's no tam lifgam basically because it's going to over leaven the bread. I'm sorry, the dough. Um, it's a sur according to Tanakama, and Rabbi Shimon says it's mutar. 
So here we have no tam lifgam. One opinion says it's asur, which we're going to assume. That's Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Shimon is matir. And in this case, and this is a classic case of So what do you see here? The according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's reading, they have a machlok and about no tam lifgam. And in fact, it is mentioned in the Mishnah. So I'm a Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera says, no, you can't learn it from this Mishnah. If you put this leavening agent into this dough, even though it over leavened this dough, you can now use part of this dough, take it to leaven other doughs. So therefore, it's going to be a sore because it's usable. Okay? And not because of any other reason. So therefore, this doesn't prove anything. Okay, now we're going to have another source to try to prove Rabbi Yochanan. Tashma, let's learn it from here. Seor shel truma v'shalchulin shenaflu v'toch ha'isa. Okay, now you have a seor of truma from the beginning. And of chulin. Shenaflu v'toch ha'isa. They both fell into a, a dough. B'zekedeh lachmitz v'b'zekedeh lachmitz. So each one on its own is enough to leaven the dough. V'chimtzu. And they leaven the dough together. Asur. Rabbi Shimon Matir. So again, they have a machloket. If the truma falls first into the dough, and that means the truma did the leavening, which means it was mashbiach, the dough, and everyone's going to agree it's asur. If the chulim falls first, and the truma fell second, which is going to be the case of, right, when it falls in, okay, so again, we have a machloket, what do you see here? As soon as it falls in, it's pogeim and it's pligim. And if you want to suggest, like we just did a minute ago, that hachanami kidder rabbi zera, okay, and that it's like rabbi zera because it only has to do with leavening stuff because the leavening agent can be used, you know, the dough can now be used to leaven something else. Tashmami seifa, I can prove from the seifa that this doesn't, that this isn't only leavening agents. But hayayin, what does it say there at the end there? Hayayin shenafal letoch hadashim, v'chomet shenafal letoch grisim asur v'rabi shimon matir. So what do you see here? Here you see that the second case doesn't have to do with the fact that it can now be used to leaven something else, because here we're talking about wine and adashim and chomets and grisim and rabbi shimon's matir and and the tanakam is osir. So what do you see? Again, we're going to assume right now, classic case of and there's a machloket. So in other words, if you wanted to answer that it's just unique to leavening, you can't say that. And, right, but what did we, what did we already say about this yayin and the chometz? And if you want to say, just like Ula said to Rabbi Chaga, that it's right, that really, this case of the yayin into the adashim and the chomet into the grisim was only when it was cold and only later they boiled it and it was yishbiach first and the basar pagam and therefore it doesn't prove anything about classic case of notin tam lifgam. Hakatane nafal shel truma tchila divrei hakol asur. But what does it say here? And now he proves it perfectly. He says, go back to the first case. What did it say? If the truma falls first, everyone agrees that it's asur. In other words, if when uh, if one second uh, if nafashal truma tchila, everyone agrees. And right, truma tchila was a case of what hishbiach, and then after, since the other leavening agent fell in, it was pagam. 
right? Because then in the end, the leavening agent turned bad because it was too much of it. So the truma case, even though it's a little bit different, but he says the truma case is a case of of levasof pagam, where the truma falls first. So therefore, and it says there, everyone agrees that it's a sur, which means they're machloke, and he now proves very well, according to this, the machloke can't be in Hishbiachu Levasav Pagam. And if it can't be in that case, it has to be in a classic case of No Tentam Lifgam. And therefore, Alalav Shmamina, Bepagam Ikar Machlok at Shmamina. Okay? Um, Tov will go. go and we'll stop here for today. Okay? We'll stop here. We got through most of the Shabbat Daf. Um, we'll pick up here on Sunday. Um, no, nah, we'll do it. We'll do it on Sunday together. Okay. What I, so next week I'm going to do a little bit differently because I want to. I want to finish the siyum of Avodah Zarah, which is supposed to be on Sunday of Pesach. I'm going to finish it before Pesach. So what I'll try to do is I'll pace myself, and every day we'll do a little bit more, so we won't keep exactly to the daf. Um, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll try our best, and we'll hopefully make it to <laughs> okay. to Friday to do the siyum Vezrat Hashem and. Uh, that's our plan. We have a scene before Rodin. Yeah, on uh, Pesach. Okay.